0: Welcome back to Tales of Southwest Michigan's Past. This is Michael Delaware, I am your host. And in this episode, we're gonna take a look at an industry that existed in Kalamazoo between 1867 until about 1930. And it was the windmill manufacturing industry. Now, when I talk about windmills, I'm talking about a structure that usually you see on top of a metal tower, that converts wind power into rotational energy and it's using these flat pieces of metal called vanes also referred to as sails or blades and they were specifically used to mill grain for grist mill and the wheels would turn and it would uh, turn a shaft down below and they would use that to grind grain it's different than the wind turbines that you're so familiar with seeing for the wind energy type companies in the country today. Windmills were a common sight on a lot of farms up until the 1930s and maybe 1940s in the United States. And then they were replaced by more modern technology. So we're going to take a journey and look at this fascinating industry that once thrived in the city of Kalamazoo. So come along and join me. So the production of windmills in Kalamazoo began in 1867. And the history that I'm going to read you today was compiled and written by a Kalamazoo Public Library staff member by the name of Brent Coates. And there is an article that is available on the Kalamazoo Library website on Kalamazoo history. And I will put the link to this article so that you can see the pictures and read more about this industry for yourself if you're interested, and it will be in the show note descriptions. But this article was posted in January 2023, so it's very recent, and Brent did a, a marvelous job of researching this. So I'm happy to bring you the story today. So, as I mentioned before, the production of windmills in Kalamazoo began in 1867, and within a few years, Kalamazoo became one of three cities in the country to manufacture some of the best-known windmills on the American market. And though the number of companies was never very large, the windmill industry employed a sizable number of workers and produced healthy profits from which Kalamazoo reaped a lot of financial benefits during that time. Between 1867 and 1880, 73 the number of windmill companies in Kalamazoo went from 1 to 3 and by 1878 there were 5 different windmill companies the earlier companies were all newly created just for the manufacturer of windmills while the later two were established firms that saw the fast growth and profits in the market and added windmills as a sideline While each company produced windmills that sold, those able to reach the foreign markets were the ones that succeeded. William H. Pendleton, Sr. designed and made the first windmill in Kalamazoo in 1867. At that time, Pendleton was a pump manufacturer, which added to his ability to design a working windmill. His windmill was based on those in Holland, but with improvements and additions that made it a sound piece of equipment. However, when Pendleton partnered with Mr. Lucassi to develop windmill production, it was not to produce his design, but what was then considered the old standard, the Halliday windmill. It was named for his designer, Daniel Halliday, who built the first windmill in the United States. Although an older design, it was still a popular seller. The Pendleton Company eventually emerged with Williams, Smith & Company. Now, Williams, Smith & Company was operated by Bradley S. Williams and Kirk A. Smith, and it was formed in 1873. The company made the Stover Automatic Windmill, and it employed 40 men on average and they were able to make and sell 25 mills a week. With the Pendleton merger, the company also made and sold the Halliday Windmill along with other agricultural equipment. And then in 1876, they exported mills to five different countries. The company's international sales took a big leap in 1877, when it shipped a full rail car load of mills and equipment to South Africa. So the Phelps and Bigelow Company was the other one, and it was organized in 1873 by Horace Phelps and Melville J. Bigelow. In 1876, it was incorporated under the name Phelps and Bigelow Windmill Company. The company employed 20 to 30 men, And they produced two windmills, the Perkins Mill, from the time the company started, and then added the IXL, which made them known in business circles around the world. The IXL windmill was one of the best, if not the best, for farm use. Phelps and Bigelow claimed that in beauty, simplicity, durability, and power, the IXL had no equal. Demand for their product grew steadily at home and abroad. So the above three companies, William H. Pendleton Sr., William Smith & Company, and Phelps & Bigelow were the three original windmill companies. And at the time that they were formed, they were all located on Eleanor Street. And the suggestion was made at the time to change the name of that street to Windmill Row. But apparently it never happened. C.H. Bird & Company founders and machinists saw the fast growth in the windmill industry and began production of windmills in 1878. They occupied a building on North Church Street, just north of the Michigan Central Railway. Byrd made the former superintendent of Lawrence and Chapman Thomas Claridge, a partner. The mill they produced was called The Byrd. Bush and Peterson Company was the fifth company, and they had been established as a firm since 1856. They made several products, blinds, doors, sashes, fanning mills, billiard table legs, building materials, and in the late 1870s, they added windmills to the list. Their windmills were never in great demand, but as a well-known firm, they had no problem selling what they did make. So, in the 1880s, there was a lot of changes in the industry. It was during this decade when the windmill industry hit its peak. In 1886, there were more than 200 workers employed in this industry. Between the five companies, 4,000 windmills and windmill engines were produced. However, the companies could not survive on the sale of windmills alone and manufactured and sold tanks, pumps, pipe, buckets, etc. The year saw the total capital of the firms as a whole to being at around $400,000 in windmill sales and another $200,000 added for the sales of accessories. And of the 4,000 windmills made, almost 1,500 were exported to foreign markets. It was this growth in the foreign markets that gave Kalamazoo the name of Windmill City. Homer Manville Company began manufacturing windmills in 1880 or 1881 on the corner of Water and Edward Streets. They did not make many mills and only was in business until about 1884. In that year, Manville joined the B.S. Williams Company, which in turn took over production of the Manville Windmill. Smith & Woodard Company, organized by Kirk A. Smith, formerly of William Smith & Company, and John E. Woodard, formed in 1881. In 1889, Woodard retired from the company, and Willis Pomeroy, an agent of the company, bought him out to become partner of the newly named Smith & Pomeroy Windmill Company. Along with the name change, the company became incorporated that year. From its beginning, the company's top-selling windmill was the Eureka. The Eureka windmill was made from galvanized steel and sold as a windmill to last a lifetime. Williams Manufacturing Company, formerly known as Williams Smith & Company, and later the S. Williams Company, after the departure of Kirk Smith in 1879, while still making the Stover windmill, they produced the first steel windmill. Production numbers of the steel mills were lower for two reasons. The material made them quite a bit more clumsy than were the wooden mills, and the farmers needed to be convinced that metal was better. When Homer Manville joined the company, Williams Manufacturing added the Manville windmill to their production. In 1889, the company officially became Williams Manufacturing and formed a stock company. They were located at the corner of Eastwater and North Edwards Streets. Another company was the Bird Windmill Company. And they were earlier known as C.H. Bird and Company, and the company received their new name when they were incorporated in 1883. The Bird Windmill was their primary concern, but added the production of windmill equipment and other small implements. Further change came in 1886 when St. John Plow Company merged with Bird, and then production then included both the Bird Windmill and the St. John. Discland Slide Plow. The company also took the name of St. John Plow Company. George H. Garside Company produced a mill they named The Leader. It was a dependable mill that sold very well locally and nationally, and the company was one of the leaders in the windmill industry in 1886. So by the 1890s, there was another market shift, and that came about from the Depression and also new technology. The depression that began in 1873 became worse in the 1890s. Farmers were no longer able to get a decent price for their crops, resulting in reduced sales of windmills. If a farmer did contract to buy a mill, often he was not able to make the payments, and the windmill company wrote it off as a loss. Of the five companies in business in the 1880s, Four survived into the new decade, but only three continued to make windmills. The St. John Plough Company ended the manufacturing of windmills before the middle of the decade. Thomas Claridge, who had become a partner when the company was C.H. Bird, took over the firm in the early 1890s. The name was changed to the Claridge Company, eventually becoming the Claridge Fan Company. Williams Manufacturing Company, the oldest of the windmill companies, continued to make their windmills and had success in foreign markets until 1894. Their early profits encouraged the company to build an addition onto the existing plant that was located on Harrison Street. The company worked under this name until 1905, when it became the Kalamazoo Tank and Silo Company. The Phelps and Bigelow Windmill Company had a good start to the decade with foreign exports for their mills, but saw a loss in sales growing in the mid-1890s. To help their business, the company held an event in 1896 to introduce a new 12-foot windmill. An ad in the Kalamazoo Gazette invited farmers throughout the Kalamazoo County to see the new windmill in operation. It was able to work as a grinder, a corn sheller, and a number of other tools at the same time. The event must have helped business, for in December, the company provided each employee with a turkey for Christmas. And the Smith & Pomeroy Windmill Company made its last export to a foreign market in 1890. After it began to struggle, it did not survive. Sales of the Eureka continued into the second decade of the 20th century. One factor that made the windmill industry different from others was that the companies did not use negative business tactics, such as a price war. The companies tended to support each other. Such was the case in the latter part of the 1890s. With the advent of the steel windmill, the Kalamazoo Galvanizing Company profited well from all the work received from the windmill companies. To reduce their costs, the windmill manufacturers joined together and took over Kalamazoo Galvanizing. So that's kind of an interesting change right there in the industry where you had multiple manufacturers combine together their resources to buy the Kalamazoo Galvanizing Company, which is fascinating. So the turn of the century brought modest improvement to the economy. While it was thought that the windmill might serve as the means to supply electricity to farmers, it did not last long. By 1915, electric power lines extended into the rural districts. Gasoline-powered engines, though not as economical as windmills, also limited the need for windmills. These engines offered farmers more control, over the pumping actions and the flow of the water. In 1909, two companies, Phelps and Bigelow and Smith and Pomeroy, did not merge but worked to help each other survive. The former moved into the same building as the latter at 220 South Burdick, and Willis Pomeroy, who after the death of Smith in 1903, alone ran his company, also served on the board of directors of Phelps and Bigelow. With both companies facing low profits, Kalamazoo Tank and Silo Company bought out their shares in the Kalamazoo Galvanizing Company and moved the plant to its Harrison Street location. In 1915, Smith & Pomeroy closed its windmill business, and Phelps & Bigelow did the same in 1916. Kalamazoo Tank and Silo continued to make windmills until it was no longer profitable, until around 1930. And that is the end of that story about the Kalamazoo windmill manufacturing industry. So it was a very fascinating time in Kalamazoo's history, and there was a lot of changes. And obviously the changes in technology did have a lot to do with eliminating the popularity or use for windmills in the world of agriculture and farming. As it was described in this article, you know, the, uh, the introduction of electricity being brought out to farmers as well as gasoline engines changed the way gristmill grinding was done and the uses of that. So it's just a very interesting look at an industry that no longer is around, but at one time it was something that brought a lot of prosperity to the city of Kalamazoo. And as I mentioned earlier, I will put the link to this article in the show note description so that you can read it yourself and look at some of the pictures that they have included there. And there are a lot of wonderful articles about the history of Kalamazoo that you can search for on this site. So I encourage you to go over there if you're a history buff to read some of that local history of the Kalamazoo area. And there's been a lot of work put together by the kalamazoo public library to keep this kind of information out there and so i'm just sharing with you a few of their stories here on the podcast so that you can really avail yourself of it they have a great um, historical museum over there as well and i intend to pay a visit to them later this year in fact i'll probably be touring it with some friends from my museum here in battle creek as we make plans for what we're doing at our museum in terms of future exhibits and so forth But that's going to conclude today's episode. If you enjoyed what you heard today in this story about the Kalamazoo windmill industry, if you would be so kind as to leave a review on whatever app that you are listening on. And I realize that not all the apps have that function, but I know that Amazon and I also know that Apple and Spotify have a form of reviews about podcasts. And a few kind words often goes a long way to helping me build the listeners on this podcast. And you can always reach out to me at michaeldelaware.com if you'd like to suggest something for a future show or just ask me a question. I'm always happy to hear from my listeners. And until next time, when we take another journey into yesterday and we explore an even more fascinating story from Southwest Michigan's past, thank you for listening.